could ever say Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Oh, we live for you Beside you, open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in love to those around me. Sing worthy again.
Good evening. Good evening. Can you hear me okay, first of all? Very good. I count it a great privilege, and uh, I'm very thankful for the opportunity to be here this evening with you all. Thank you to Chris, who uh, invited me this evening. Seth, of course, had the message this morning during the service. Seth did a fantastic job. I don't know why you didn't want to do it again tonight, but but uh, thank you for that opportunity. I think Chris asked 23, 25, 27 people before he finally came to me, so uh, you, you've, uh, you're at the bottom here. But anyway, uh, as Director of Global Missions, uh, I want to talk to you this evening about um, the Great Commission. Well, let's turn this on first. All right. A verse, John 20, 21, is the theme verse that the Global Missions team has this year. So the, the 2019-2020 theme verse is, John 20, 21, basically is, I am sending you. Now, this is the theme verse for the year, but it is also the theme verse for the missions conference that we have coming up in February. Now, let me just make a little plug here for the missions conference. February 20, 21, 22, actually 21, 22, and 23. Put that on your calendar. Reserve that weekend because we've got uh, some great... Uh, a great speaker coming in, Andrew Scott, who is uh, president, CEO of OM USA, and then we've got a uh, fantastic group of our missionaries coming in also. So, I am sending you is the theme. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. So let's let's talk a little bit about the Great Commission, and then we'll go talk about other commissioning statements that Jesus uh, 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 challenged his disciples with. How many of you are familiar with the Great Commission? Just raise your hand. The Great Commission. Good, because as people of First Evan, we I would certainly hope you are familiar with the phrase. The Great Commission. Um, missions, global missions, has been a part of the DNA of First Event since our very inception. And I think it's in March we'll actually celebrate 85th year of being in existence. So this is pretty exciting uh, that we have had this kind of heritage over this many years. All right, how many churchgoers do you think? Churchgoers are familiar with the term the Great Commission? Just think. Just how many do you think might be familiar with the term the Great Commission? Ten percent. Ten percent? Ooh, that's pretty pessimistic. <laughs> half. Half? Okay. Not half. Not half. <laughs> be somebody, something less than familiar with the Great Commission. All right, let me talk. The Great Commission is, this is the general statement. The Great Commission is the task given by Jesus to the church through the disciples that authorizes it to carry the gospel everywhere so that all peoples might have the opportunity to believe on Jesus Christ. 
to believe on him as their savior and become lifelong followers. So that's a general definition of what the Great Commission is. We have the Great Commission verse, which is Matthew 28:19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Okay, it is this verse then that people were asked, is this is are you aware of the Great Commission? Are you familiar with this verse? Half of all churchgoers, or 51%, say they are unfamiliar with the Great Commission. They don't know what it means. And in fact, if you can see this schematic, a research report by Barna, the Barna Group, and it's a very well-known um, research organization among evangelicals. And how the question, have you heard of the Great Commission? 51% said no. Don't know what it is. Never heard of it. Six percent, and there's always a few that are not sure. You know, I mean, why don't you just say no? <laughs> but six percent say, ah, not sure. Only seventeen percent say, yes, I know what the Great Commission is, and this is what it means. And then there's another twenty-five percent. Yeah, I've heard of it. I think I've I've heard of it, but I can't really recall exactly the meaning. So this is indicative of the world that we live in. I would not say that these uh, churchgoers are evangelicals, okay? Many uh, are, are, you know, from mainline churches and denominations where the emphasis on the Great Commission is, is not that prevalent. But let's talk about the Great Commission as a whole. And a lot of these points that I'm going to bring out to you uh, uh, are adopted from... Uh, Marvin Newell's book, Commissioned, What Jesus Wants You to Know as You Go. As I mentioned earlier, there are five commissioning statements of Jesus. So let's go through each of these five. This is the first one. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. This is the verse in which our theme verse is built on. So this is the very first commissioning statement of Jesus. We'll talk more about these. We'll just kind of run through them uh, very briefly. The next one, Mark 16, 15. Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Go into all the world, proclaim the gospel. The next one, Uh, this is the Matthew 28 verse. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically the bold highlighted area, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. What's interesting, the formatting here on Chris is different from the way I was looking at it on my computer. So on my computer, the formatting, this whole verse is on this slide. Okay, this this is out of uh, Luke. This is the fourth commissioning statement, Luke 24. And again, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but the bold says here uh, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to whom? To all nations, and you're starting in Jerusalem. And then Jesus said to them, this is the final one, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. That's out of Acts. All right, these are five statements made by Jesus. And if you notice, 
they are um, they build on each other. Okay, it starts out very simply, and then Jesus continues to explain what he is expecting of his of his uh, disciples. So I've created a little table here, and it it may be difficult for you to read this, but uh, I'll help you through it. So the first passage, John 20, 21, the location was in Jerusalem, and this was the evening of the resurrection day. So picture in your mind, the disciples are in the upper room, the door is locked, there's some rumors that Jesus uh, is no longer in the tomb, that some people have seen him. Uh, they're totally confused. They're probably still very uh, frightened, afraid. And so Jesus appears in the midst of them in this room. And he says, what's the first thing he says to them? Fear not. Peace. That's it. Peace. Fear not. Peace be with you. All right, the uh, the audience there, there were his uh, probably several of his followers that were in that room, but there were ten disciples there. What happened to the other two disciples? Why only ten? Judas was gone, and then doubting Thomas was not there. Okay, so we had ten disciples plus other followers there in the room. The mandate is, as the Father has sent me, and then the emphasis. This is how Jesus is modeling how the Great Commission should happen. All right. So let's look at the next one. Uh, Mark 16, 15, also in Jerusalem. It's about eight days later, and we have 11 disciples. All right. Clearly Judas isn't around. So Thomas shows back up, and the mandate is go into all the world to the whole creation. And that emphasizes the magnitude of this commissioning statement. All the world, the whole creation. Matthew 28. Uh Okay, he then tells his disciples, let's go to Galilee, and uh, uh, I will meet you there on a mountain. And uh, the disciples left Jerusalem. They went to Galilee, which happened to be their home. And uh, Jesus meets them on a mountain. It's about one or two weeks later. And he says, make disciples of all nations. Here he's telling them the method. Matthew or Luke 24, and this is about 40 days after the resurrection, and he says, this is the message, repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed to all nations. And then finally, Acts 1.8, uh, again, just right outside of Jerusalem, and it could have been just two, three, maybe just a few hours after the last commissioning statement, but... Uh, He's on the Mount of Olives, ready to be ascended into heaven, and he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And this is talking about the means. So we've got the model, magnitude, method, message, and means. Now I want to go through uh, these, each of these briefly and, and unpack each of these verses a little bit more. The model for missions, this is the verse, even so I am sending you. Every mission entails at least these four things. A mission needs to have a sender, all right? In this case, it's Jesus. A mission uh, has one sent. 
And so Jesus is sending the disciples. You have those to whom one is sent, the audience who's going to hear, receive, and then the assignment. What, what is the, what is the one sent supposed to proclaim? Now what's interesting, the, the formatting, I, I don't know what happened in, in, the difference between my computer and looking at it and then uh, looking at Chris's computer. But anyway, you get the idea. Jesus meets with his disciples. Jesus is the one sent, but Jesus was sent to send. Alright, so God is sending Jesus. Jesus is sending the disciples. The disciples then are looking at working in and through the church taking that mission to the world. So Jesus is modeling the way that he wants to see missions, this global proclamation of the gospel, advanced. Now, if any of you have any questions, please feel free to raise your hand. I, I'm, this could be, we're a small group here, so uh, if you have any questions, uh, please ask. The magnitude of the mission. This is the verse, Mark 16, 15. All the world, the whole creation. This shows the magnitude. Now this happened about eight days later. Jesus, as we mentioned, um, did not see Thomas at that very first meeting. And so he, because he cherished the relationship with doubting Thomas, he came back to the to uh, the disciples when he was there. And of course, you remember the story. Thomas says, I'm not going to believe until I see the scars on his hands, the wound in his side. All right. And so he comes again and especially is focused on Thomas. Okay, what is the magnitude? Again, all the world, the whole creation. And what is the goal? It says here, the global proclamation of the gospel. Evangelism. Trying to explain, communicate to people the gospel. Alright, Jesus' time with Thomas resulted in doubting Thomas became determined Thomas. History has it, uh, or at least uh, tradition says, that he died, Thomas died a martyr's death in India. So can you imagine going from Jerusalem and going all across Asia, going to India, and then proclaiming the gospel in India. That would be pretty much the whole of the known world back then. So he went and, uh, um, and, and proclaimed the gospel to the whole creation, to the whole world. Okay, the methodology. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Matthew 27, or Matthew 28, 7, alright, this is earlier in that chapter, disciples were told to meet him in Galilee at a certain mountain. Now why do you think, they were all in Jerusalem, why do you think Jesus would say, okay, you all go to Galilee, I'll meet you there in a mountain. That was home, that was home to the disciples. That was a familiar place to them. That was a safe place for them. And here it is again a couple weeks after the resurrection. Still confused, still don't quite understand what's going on. But Jesus wants to pull them out of Jerusalem, take them back to their home, and then he's got their attention. 
He's got them on this mountain by himself, and he's saying, okay, now, this is how you're going to do it. You're going to make disciples of all nations. Uh, <laughs> all right. Once again, talking about methodology, this, this is the verse, Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The emphasis is not go or baptize or teaching. The emphasis is make disciples. So another way of looking at this, reading it uh, in the original language would, would be more like, as you are going, make disciples. And then the uh, the verbs baptizing and teaching are modifying the making disciples of all nations. Again, apologize for the formatting. All right, the message of the mission. Uh, this is uh, the Luke 24 passage. And again, the highlighted that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations from Jerusalem. There were... Uh, uh, Two objectives that Jesus is working on. Okay, he is taking his disciples and he's building on each of these commissioning statements. Each time he appears to them, each time he's communicating to them, he's building on what he said in the past. So he needs to convince them, yes, he bodily rose, just as he said he would, and he's also preparing them on for their next assignment to represent the gospel around the world. So they're back in Jerusalem. Evangelism, basically, presence. He's saying, you need to be present. You need to proclaim. And then, use persuasion. Use persuasion in order to to have the gospel take root in people's hearts and minds and lives. So what's the essence of the gospel? The gospel message. What is it? What are the essential truths of the gospel? We as believers should all know this. Okay? And essentially, just boil it very simply down, three truths. The reality of sin as man's greatest predicament. Number two, the redemptive work of Jesus as the only cure. So, we have a problem. Jesus is the solution to that problem. But then just knowledge of that is not good enough. There has to be a response of repentance that is necessary for a sinner to be forgiven for sins. So even, I mean, we all need to be able to explain the gospel. And I hope, I hope each one of us here have had that opportunity to friends or family, maybe total strangers. Uh, certainly in your, in your testimony, how you came to know the Lord, you need to you need to weave into your testimony, which is unique to you. It's how God has worked in your life. You need to weave into your testimony each one of these three essential truths. Sin. I recognize I had sin. The work that Jesus did because of the sin and my response as a result. And even in your testimony, you can present the gospel. Uh, the means of mission, Acts 1.8. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, you know, the most parts of the earth. All right, this is the final commissioning statement. He's got their attention. And, you know, just again, think of the, the venue there. Think you're on the Mount of Olives 
And all of a sudden, Jesus, I mean, this is the way I think, Jesus just starts going up into the, into the air, up into the clouds. And if that doesn't get your attention, I don't know what will. So, as he's going up, he says, the Acts 1-8 passage, you will receive power. He gives the means of how the mission is to be carried out with three things. The means of empowerment, the means of human instrumentality, and the means of a strategic plan. All right, the Holy Spirit is the means of empowerment. There's no question, without the Holy Spirit, nothing is going to happen. In fact, you know, a principle, spiritual work takes spiritual power to achieve a spiritual outcome or a spiritual result. So we're involved in this spiritual business of trying to convey what the gospel is and not just convey what the gospel is, but try to get people to make a decision. But we have no power to change people's hearts and minds. So that's where the power of the Holy Spirit is is not just important. It is, it is vital. We can't we can't do anything without it. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But what's interesting, there's the means of human instrumentality. So when you look at the verse, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. So we have the power of the Holy Spirit, but but God is saying, you got to do it. I could probably change people's hearts and minds and lives without any input from any human being. In fact, the rocks could cry out, you know, and and proclaim glory to the name of Jesus. But he gives us the privilege of being involved as as witnesses. And so uh, it is important for us to know that we have a role in this. And then there's this uh, strategic plan. And this is a little complicated, but let me try to briefly go through it. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. All right, so he's got a plan here. How how do you go about making disciples of all the nations? Within Jerusalem, Judea, he's telling people to go go to your own people, your own city, regional identity. So so you know. It's Jerusalem, Judea, near term. Uh, they speak the same language, their own culture. So this is this should be easy for them. Share the gospel with the people who are close to you, your friends, your family, the the person next door, the person across the street, people of your same culture, same language. Then he says, but also go to Samaria which is a mixture of Jew and Gentile. The Jews didn't get along with the Samaritans, but there were still a lot of uh, cultural similarities. They were slightly different. Maybe a little different dialect as far as language, but many could still understand each other. It's a neighboring region. It's not in Jerusalem, Judea, but, but Samaria is right there. It's neighboring. Then the ends of the earth. This is totally different from their experience of who these people are. Totally different languages, uh, totally different cultures, faraway places. In other words, 
ethnicity, just other peoples. So, down here we have E1, E2, and E3. You can think of this as Evangelism 1, Evangelism 2, or Evangelism 3. In fact, I'm even going to start with E0. When you talk about E0, and this, these are, this is a missiological, um, these are missiological terms. E0 would be synonymous to somebody coming in from outside of First Event, and within these four walls here, they hear the gospel and they respond. Okay? They hear the gospel inside First Event. E1 would be, alright, let's say, you know, we live in Germantown, and we've got, uh, we've got people across the street and down the street, we speak the same language, exactly the same culture, we, we all, uh, follow SEC football, etc. And so, there, there is a, uh, limited number of, of, uh, obstacles in being able to communicate the gospel. Now, E2 would be, alright, uh, let's say, I'm, I'm gonna pick on FedEx. FedEx has got many, many Indians, East Indians, uh, working at FedEx. They know English. They, you know, been in the United States for a long time. Uh, uh, isn't that right, Steve? Lots of Indians, Indians at, at uh, FedEx. Uh, but they have a different culture. They may be Hindu. They may, uh, English may not be their first language. There could be a difference in, uh, worldview here. So, you're communicating the gospel, but there are obstacles to it. E3 would be, uh, alright. Totally different language, totally different culture, and in fact, there's no way they're gonna be coming here we might have a few ex- uh, exceptions in Memphis where we have unreached people groups coming here to Memphis, but most of the time we're going to have to go and send people there. And frankly, this is where global missions mostly resides. It's taking the gospel to places where people have never heard what the gospel is. They've never heard, never heard the name of Jesus. They have no idea who he is or what he did for them. So, E1, E2, E3, this is all means of a strategic plan that uh, Jesus is communicating. Alright, so basically what is our response? John Piper <laughs> says it quite simply, either we should go, send, or disobey. It, 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 maybe that's, uh, maybe that's a little too cut and dried, but his point is, Jesus was sent by God, God the Father, and He is sending His disciples, He is sending us to go. Alright, so, if we are being sent by Jesus, then we need to figure out where we fit in this whole plan, the, this global proclamation of the gospel. So, we all can't go, we know that. We all probably shouldn't go. Uh, it, it, Especially if you're going to faraway places, uh, cultural training, language training, there's just a lot of things that need to happen. But we can all be involved in sending people, praying, people, giving. And I don't want to, 
I don't want to minimize the prayer. Again, it is a spiritual work that we're doing. And so prayer could be the most important thing that any one of us could be doing, uh, even more important than, than actually going. So what should we do? Right. It's up to each one of us as individuals. Trust, uh, listen to the Lord. And I mean, l- listen. Ask the question and then wait for a response. And if you don't hear voices, that's fine. If, if, if he's not using his fingers and writing on the wall, that's fine. But if you're genuine in wanting to know more about how God wants to use you in this work, then just keep asking the question. Trust in what you hear. Obey what you hear. That's our response. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. So, I am sending you. Jesus is telling each one of us as individuals, I am sending you. We need to know what we're being sent for and what the message is. We need to be, know, we need to know who we're being sent to so that we have a good message. Well, thanks. Um, I will at this point also say, if, if any of you are in a Sunday school class um, and want uh, a little bit more maybe information about how we do missions at First Divan, please please let me know. This is just one small aspect, the, the five commissioning statements of Jesus, but how do we do missions, global missions at First Divan? And our interplay with the Memphis ministry team, uh, Andrew Beach and, and his, his team, it's... Um, We've got a lot of great things going on here at First Van. We've got a lot of great missionaries who represent the gospel well around the world. So let me pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just pause and we, we want to ask the question, um, how do you want us, how do you want me involved in this task of, of taking the good news of Jesus to other people? That uh, those other people, Lord, certainly includes our friends and our family, our neighbors next door, but also an aspect of it is is the proclamation of the gospel where Jesus has never been heard, where he is not known, where the message of salvation is is totally foreign. And there are 2.8 billion people in the world today who still have not heard Jesus, heard of Jesus or about Jesus. So, Lord, uh, with this in mind, we do ask that you would show us how we personally, each one of us as individuals, can be involved in this task. How we might honor you and give you glory. Because we have been the recipients of a, a precious gift, a gift of eternal life. So help us know how we can take that gift and share it with other people around the world. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We sing this next song as an encouragement to our hearts, just a reminder of all the promises that we have for Jesus.